Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Gospel Saving Church. Amen. Hallelujah. Another Hallelujah. another beautiful day here out of our little home in McKinney, Texas. Thank you all for coming today and showing up to hear the word of the Lord. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen? Amen. 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 And I'm glad to be up here and be in a mouthpiece for the Lord Jesus. So I want to thank everybody for being here. And I also want to thank everybody that's listening from all over the world, wherever you may be, anybody's listening that's not here in America or even people in America, we have a website, gospelsavingchurch.com. You know, wherever you found us on SoundCloud or whether you're finding us on the Internet, we have a SoundCloud application that's out there. You can listen on there or you can listen at gospelsavingchurch.com and uh, contact information is on there if you want more information on the church. Uh, otherwise, just glad to have you here today, and thank you for stopping by. So I'm going to pray real quick, and then we'll read the Word of God, and we'll get our title. Let's move on. So join me in a word of prayer, if you would, please, to prepare our hearts for God to speak to us. Oh, thank you, Jesus, for bringing us here today. Thank you, Lord God, for your grace and thank you for your mercy and thank you for your character as a whole many people just want to look at you as the little baby in the manger and think of only Jesus of Christmas and the day you were born and that's wonderful Lord and we thank you that you gave your son to come into this world and to be born And but Lord you are much more than a little baby in a manger as we're going to see today and you are awesome and your power is unlimited. Your power and your might and your glory are amazing. And you're more powerful than anything in this world, in the sea, or in the sky, or in space, or under the earth, or above the earth, in heaven, or on earth, everywhere. You have total dominion and power and strength. You are God, almighty. And we just thank you, Lord. We ask you to fill this place with your glory today like you did the temple when Solomon prayed. I ask you to fill the places where everybody and anybody will be listening to this message, wherever they are, with your glory. I pray that you would get Satan out and I pray your Holy Spirit would rule this time right now. Fill all of our hearts and give us your wisdom and teach us how we are to live and teach us how we are to act. I love you, Jesus Christ, and I pray that you would be magnified and glorified in this place, in this message. And we ask all these things in your mighty and holy and precious name. Amen. So the title of this week's message, From the Frying Pan into the Fire. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 8, verses 28 through 34. So if you guys want to turn there, Matthew chapter 8, verses 28 through 34. And I will read them for us now. And then we'll get into the, today's message. 8.28 The Word of God says, When he, that is Jesus, had come to the other side of the country of the Gergesenes, there met him two demon-possessed men coming out of the tombs, exceedingly fierce, so that no one could pass that way. And suddenly they cried out, saying, be the demons as men, What have we to do with you, Jesus, you son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? Now a good way off from there, from them, there was a herd of many swine feeding. So the demons begged him, saying, If you cast us out, permit us to go away into the herd of swine. And he said to them, Go. 
So when they had come out, they went into the herd of swine, and suddenly the whole herd of swine ran violently down the steep place into the sea and perished in the water. Then those who kept them fled, and they went away into the city and told everything, including what had happened to the demon-possessed men. And behold, the whole city came out to meet Jesus, and when they saw him, they begged him to depart from their region. <laughs> As I said, the title of our message is From the Frying Pan into the Fire. Why do I title this message that way? What did we talk about last week? Last week's message was called Following Jesus Isn't Easy. So we recapped that message a little bit and we saw that the disciples, because they were following Jesus, because they were following his orders, he said, get into the boat, prepare the boat, get in the boat. And they got into the boat, they followed Jesus onto the boat, and then what happened to them while they were following Jesus? And they had problems. They had spiritual, there's no doubt in my mind, that that big storm that came up was a spiritual attack. None other than an attack from Satan himself. No doubt in my mind. Satan can use nature too, he's very powerful. So they caused... Excuse me, they were caused problems because they followed Jesus. So what do we see today as we open up our word? We see verse 28. When he, and it doesn't say it, but we know that the disciples were with him, but when he and the disciples came to the other side, to the country of the Gergesenes or the Gadareans, there met him two demon-possessed men. Wow! Get the title of the message today? From the frying pan into the fire. And what happened? They just came from a dreadfully, horrible, terrifying, almost, well it was, a life-threatening situation on the sea where the boat was filling with water, the Bible says, which means you know, it's not too long for a boat can fill with water before it sinks. And during a terrible storm, if your boat sinks... You're generally probably not going to brave the wind. You're going to die. You're going to drown and you're going to die. To what? They were probably after Jesus got done. And, man, I'm glad that's over. Whew. Praise. Thank you, Jesus. I'm glad you got us out of that. All right. Well, hey, well here we are to the shore. All right, all right, everybody, let's get out. And then, what do they see? Two demon-possessed men. Woo! That is amazing. And we see that right as they step out of the boat. Yet another terrifying situation. So, not only do they see this, these two demon-possessed men, but what's the description of them? The boat experience was bad enough. What about these two guys? How bad were they? Look at verse 28 again with me. When he had come to the other side of the country of the Gergesenes, there met him two demon-possessed men coming out of the tombs, exceedingly fierce, so that no one could pass that way. Think about that description for a second. These weren't just kind of some guys taking a walk and they kind of were a little angry. They were so scary that the Bible says in verse 28 at the back end, they were coming out of tombs. That's where they dwelt. They dwelt in tombs. They only dwelt in those tombs because they couldn't dwell, they couldn't live with the people of the city. Why? Because they were, as 28 says, exceedingly fierce. What do you think of when you think of exceedingly fierce? I think of a, a hungry lion. I think of a hungry lion just waiting and just stalking its prey. Sitting there, waiting for that, all oh, that, watching that herd of deer, or watching that herd of buffalo, just looking for that weak scraggler in the back. And then he hadn't eaten in a while, so he's real hungry. Exceedingly fierce. And he's so exceedingly fierce, really think of this picture. 
the Bible says in verse 28 that no one could pass that way. Think about that. That means that people, if they went into that area, if they passed by those tombs, that no one could pass these guys. Now, if no one could pass them, what are we seeing here? We're seeing that they would attack them. These two demon-possessed men would go after whoever tried to go by. So that no one could pass that way tells us that they were dangerous. That they were dangerous to themselves. And they were dangerous to anybody that even tried to walk by. This was not a good situation. This was a horrible situation. Out of the frying pan, into the fire. Disciples just got through it, a deadly situation on the boat. They step out of the boat, wham! Here comes two demon-possessed men. Could you imagine the looks on their faces? Think about that. They finally got calm. They finally had some peace. Get out of the boat. They were they, they marveled at the power of Jesus Christ. They were, you know, kind of reveling in that, thinking, wow, he's got it. And then the very place that Jesus takes them, because they had to believe that Jesus knew where he was sending them, was a place where they met these two vicious men. All I could, all I could see when I see their faces is I could see these, however many disciples were with them at the time. We don't know if it was all 12 yet. I don't believe so. Just mouths hanging wide open. Kind of trying to stand in the background. Or, because look, you've got... The boat behind you and the water, and you already know, well, that wasn't safe. Because if I get back in the boat without Jesus and go in the water, that big storm could come up again, and then we could drown and sink there. But in front of you, you have two demon-possessed men that it's they're so exceedingly fierce that no one could pass their way. So the disciples know if they try to pass that way, what's going to happen? The demon-possessed men are going to attack them. It's a bad situation. The boat was bad. This was worse. Put yourself in that situation. You're following Jesus. He had already said, count the cost, you know, in the Sermon on the Mount. You know, they already heard him teach that. He already said this wasn't going to be easy. You know, the road is difficult and the way is narrow, and which leads to life, and there are a few that find it. They, they heard those words. But now what are they doing is they're experiencing the teachings. They're experiencing the teachings. The road is difficult and the way is narrow. Think of yourself standing there. I can picture myself there because some years back I was at a discipleship with some brothers from another church I used to attend. And when we came out from our discipleship, there passed us on this bicycle, this guy, and he seemed crazy kind of babbling off at the mouth and kind of talking this weird stuff. And we said, hey, man, how you doing tonight? As he rode by, hey, talk about Jesus, man. We kind of tried to reach out to him, but the Lord, he just kept going. So I got on my mode of transportation at that time. And I got on, I started it up, and the Lord spoke to my heart. And he said, Ed, I want you to go talk to that guy about me. So, okay, sure, all right, Lord's night's yours, life's yours, sure, I'll go. I get on, I'm driving along, and I have no idea, because it wasn't right away that he told me that. It was a few minutes later, so by now, the guy's on a bike, he's traveling along, he's a few minutes gone down the road. So I'm like, Lord, I have nowhere to, I don't, where did he go? I just went in the same direction as he, but we were at the mall here in Plano, Texas, very big mall, very big parking lot. Which way did he turn left? Which way did he go? As I'm driving along, the Lord says to me, make a left or make a right. I don't remember which one now. So I just made that left or I made that right. And I'm driving along and I got out on uh, the road I was on and I came up to 75, Highway 75. And I thought, well, that, that's it. I don't see him. I guess, Lord, I, you, maybe I'll just pray for him, Lord. I, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And I look over to my right. And there was his bike propped up against this burger place. 
And I said, oh, wow, Lord, you're so good. You led me right to him. All right, Lord, praise you, God. I, I kind of turned around. I made the ride, and I turned into the burger place. I parked my place. Lo and behold, what did I come to find when I got there? Another brother that was with me. The Lord told him, don't let Ed go alone. I've, I've sent Ed or whatever the Lord told him. I want you to go with him and be with him. I, I didn't know it. So this other brother pulls in right next to me or right by me, and I said, hey, man, what's up? And he goes, yeah, the Lord told me to come and, and be with you in this. I, the Lord told me to come, and, and I, I kind of knew you were going to talk to the guy. And I was like, oh, wow, that's awesome. Praise God. As we walk in, we order a little something at the counter. As we go to sit down, here's the fella sitting there. He's drinking something. He's sitting there in the, in the chair, and we sit real nearby him. And as we're sitting there real nearby him, we're like, hey, buddy, what's up, man? How you doing? We saw you back there a little bit. Is everything okay? We started making a little conversation with him. And immediately we could tell that there was, wasn't something real right about him. Or that there was something real not right about him. He was, wasn't all there. Something fishy. So as we got to talking, we ended up going outside. And by the time this fella really started rolling into it, he wasn't just crazy, folks. This man was demon-possessed. How do I know that? Like, I know that he was just a crazy. No, really. He was speaking four, five, six different languages that I only understood maybe a couple, maybe some Russian and maybe some Spanish and of course English he was speaking. But there was four or five other languages that this guy was talking. I had no idea what he was saying. I felt this presence and I was scared. Inside, I'm going. What's going to happen to me? We're outside. We're in the middle. Yeah, we're by this place. This guy is getting, and he's getting, of course, he's not just standing there. He's getting exceedingly kind of with his hands flowing out in the air. He's getting kind of crazy. He was, you know, wasn't all there. He was, he, he could have attacked us. Easily could have attacked us. It happens around here in the Dallas area all the time. People attack one another. Very easily he could have attacked us. And I'm frightened. I'm scared. I'm not letting him see it. And I'm just, I'm praying. And then I'm like, and then I started telling him, we come talk to you about Jesus. And and the more I talk about Jesus, the more frustrated or angry or out of his mind that he would get. And I started talking to the Lord, at talking about the Lord at him. And he just went on and on and on and on and on and on and on. But the Lord protected us. But I know how the disciples feel here. Because I've been in that situation myself. And the Lord restrained that man from hurting me. But I felt the evil that this guy had in him as I was standing there. And it was fierce. So I, I can sympathize with verse 28. He was exceedingly fierce so that no one could pass their way. This guy was like the guy, like the two men here that Jesus and the disciples ran into. And wow, it was an absolute experience. So you can take my word for it, in case you don't know, the disciples were scared, I was scared. Now, should I have been? The Lord spoke to me afterwards and said, Ed, why were you scared? I'm with you. I'm in you. I won't let anything happen to you. I, I, you know, I want you to do this next time you come in contact with a demon-possessed man. And I, I had to learn. I had to repent because I should have... I should have tried to cast the demon out of him or whatever, but the Lord spoke to me and I'm still growing. I'm, 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 not, a, I'm not a Christian for 50 years. I'm just a Christian just a little under 14 years. So and this, was, this was about four or five years ago, so this is when I was even younger of a Christian. So anyway, I can tell you firsthand that this was a bad experience, just like that for me was a bad experience. And it wasn't bad enough that they're just there, but read verse 29. And the Bible goes on to say, And suddenly they cried out, saying, What have you to do? What have we to do with you, Jesus, you Son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? So the situation's already bad enough. They realize that they're in danger. The disciples acknowledged, because Matthew wrote the gospel, so Matthew was there. He already acknowledged they were so fierce that nobody could pass their way. So he, he, he was in that situation. He knew it was bad. Now it's already bad. Now they start screaming at your leader. They start screaming. 
at the one that's in charge of your group, at Jesus. First, we have the winds and the waves almost killing them. Now we have these two men that could easily kill them as well. That's all I could say is out of the frying pan and into the fire. So I'm going to switch gears a little bit here, and we're going to look at not only, we'll come back to the situation, but we're going to look at the demon-possessed men's reaction and what they said to Jesus while they were standing there. First thing to notice in 29 is what they didn't do. They didn't attack them. If these men were so exceedingly fierce that no one could pass their way, that means that they had attacked people. But they did not attack Jesus and the disciples. That's huge. Instead, they yelled out a couple different things. And we're going to focus right now as we switch gears a little bit on what they said. Because when I tell you that they said a mouthful, you'll see. They said a mouthful. What's the first thing that we see that they said? In verse 29, they cried out to him and they said, What have we to do with you, Jesus, you son of God? Now, in case you don't know, in the whole Bible, throughout the whole Bible, no one else gets the title of son of God. No one. We can we see children of God, and we see sons of the Father, but we don't hear the title, you son of God, anywhere else in all the whole Bible. We see Ezekiel being called son of man, but we don't have you son of God anywhere else in the whole entire word of God. So I'd like to talk to Muslims here for a second. If there's any Muslims or even ex-Muslims that are out there or anybody has a Muslim friend, you son of God is what the New Testament says. There's no other way to translate it. You son of God. They gave him the title of deity. You son of God. Of God. They reverenced him with this title, you son of God. There's no other way to look at it. It is what it is. And not only did they give him the title as son of God, but we'll see as we move on, like we already said, they didn't attack him. So that was a supernatural miracle in and of itself. They didn't attack him. And they beg him a little later. We'll get to that. What else did they say? Second thing they say, you son of God, have you come here? Now, were they just talking about destination, like place? Have you come here to this uh, other side of the sea? Why did you come here? You've come here. Or were they talking about, have you come to this earth? Were they recognizing, were they acknowledging Jesus Christ not being from the earth? Does the Bible support that? Does the Bible say that Jesus is not from the earth? I believe that they meant, have you come here to the earth because of what the Bible says. Number one, we have God dwelling in heaven, Matthew 6, 9. Jesus said, pray this way in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Jesus, taking up some religious leader, talking to some religious leaders in John 8, 21-23, says, I am going away and you will seek me and you will die in your sins. Where I go, you cannot come. So the Jews said, will he kill himself? Because he says, where I go, you cannot come. And he said to them, you are from beneath. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. So Jesus professing to religious leaders in John 8, 21-23, I'm not from this world. And the demon saying here in verse 29, Have you come here? They were definitely talking about, Have you come here to this earth? 
John 17, 14 through, 20, 14 through 17, he, Jesus says, I have given them your word, speaking of the disciples, and the world has hated them because they are, they are not of this world, just as I am not of this world. Because the Bible says that when you're of Christ, you no longer are from this world. Your home no longer is here on this earth. You're from heaven. Why? Because God comes and dwells in you, and you have the eternal God whose home is not with man on earth, but it's in heaven. He says in verse 15, I do not pray that you should take them out of this world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of this world just as I am not of this world. John 18, 33-36, Jesus was before Pilate, before he was going to be crucified. Then Pilate entered the praetorium, it says, again, called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus answered him, Are you speaking for yourself about this, or did others tell you this concerning me? Pilate answered him, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and chief priests have delivered you to me. What have you done? And in 36, Jesus answered and he says, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should be delivered, or so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. So, the demons acknowledging not only the power of Christ, the power that he is the Son of God, but they also acknowledging in what they said to him, you're not from this place, have you come here to this earth? These guys said a lot. They said a third thing too. They said in verse 29 here, he says, have you come here to torment us before the time? What? So they acknowledged his godhood in being the son of God. They acknowledged him not being of earthly descent, him not being from here. And what's the third thing that they acknowledged? They acknowledged, number one, that God wins in the end. They acknowledged the second coming of Christ. That he's not here just only just this one time. That he was just some prophet just here to speak of some good words. They acknowledge that he's coming again. That is powerful. And this doesn't come from the testimony of a man. This comes from the Bible admittingly saying that these were demons. That means they were supernatural beings not mankind. Maybe man could have gotten who Jesus Christ was wrong. Maybe man could have misunderstood. But the Bible says that the demons were angels that were with Satan in the very beginning. So they saw God face to face. They saw Jesus Christ face to face with God the Father in heaven before any of us were ever created. And the demons knew who Jesus was, and where he was from. They confirm Jesus' words here when they say, Have you come to torment us before our time? In Matthew 25, 31-33, where Jesus is talking about the end. Jesus says, When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory, and all the nations will be gathered before him. And he will separate them one from another as the shepherd divides the sheep from the goats. And he will set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on his left. Also in Matthew 25, 41, he says, also, he says, Then he will also say to those on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed. And listen to what he says to those that don't make it. This is one of the things he'll say to you if you're not right with him. Depart from me, you cursed. But he's also speaking to the demons here as well. In, depart from me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. And remember also in Revelation 20, 7-10, the Bible says, Now when a thousand years had expired, Satan was bound for a thousand years in the pit for a while. He's bound for a thousand years in hell. When those thousand years expired, it says that Satan will be released from prison and will go out to deceive the nations which are on the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog 
to gather them together to battle, whose numbers is the sand of the sea. They went up on the breadth of the earth and surrounded the cap of the saints and the beloved city, where, you know, that would have been where Christ is, or where the beloved saints were, excuse me. And then it says, And fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. The devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are. And listen to what it says that their end will be. Listen to what it says that the demons profess here to Jesus Christ way before this is going to happen because they know the book and they know the end and they profess, the Bible says here in Revelation 20, and once that happens and Christ comes and does that, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. And the demons here in these two men were acknowledging this future fact when they were talking to Jesus, you son of God. They said a whole lot of stuff when they spoke. And all that they said was very powerful. But wait a minute. But wait a minute. I, I've heard this. The Bible's just a big book of fairy tales, right? No, I don't think so. Absolutely not. Been an awful, awful hard masterpiece to pull off with all these things happening and the demons coming and professing to Christ and then people seeing them and then the demons talking about the end. Very powerful to get that exact. That's awesome. Now we could talk about the second coming. There's ministries that exist today in this world that that's all that they do is talk about the second coming. Are we going to make the message about that today? Absolutely not. But I did want to show you that the demons here themselves professed all these awesome things about the Lord and Savior of all the universe. Out of their mouths, out of their mouths, even though they hate God and they're against God, they still testify of God and they still testify of who Christ is. So can you believe all this time we've only gone through two verses? I just almost can't believe it. Well, we're over 30 minutes in our message, and we've only touched on two verses. So I, I, I guess we'll stop. Not! We're going to keep going. We're going to keep going. We're going to finish it out. We're going to finish it out. So go on to verses 30 and 31, and let's read those. So now that, that, that set the scene, we have the demons' powerful professions there. Verse 30 says, Now a good way off from there was a herd of swine feeding. So the demons begged him, saying, if you cast us out, permit us to go away into the herd of swine. Did you notice there what the Bible said in verse 31? The demons begged him. The demons begged him to go somewhere. Now, is that a far cry from verse 28? Let's read the end of verse 28 again. There met him two demon-possessed men coming out of the tombs, exceedingly fierce, so that no one could pass their way. Whoa. So from man's perspective, no one could pass the way of the demons without getting mauled or attacked or whatever the case may be. No one, no man could go that way because they were exceedingly fierce. But from God's perspective, we have them begging Jesus Christ, the Lord of all creation, begging him if they could do something. They weren't even allowed in his presence to do whatever they wanted to do. They had to beg him. How's about that for the power of the only begotten Son of God? Look at they also gave him reverence. So the demons begged him saying, if you cast us out, permit us to go away into the swine. So they not only begged him, they had to ask for permission to be able to go to another place. I would have thought they'd have just been able to leave and go out and go wherever they wanted but not in the presence of the only begotten Son of God, full of grace and truth, amen? No, sir. They reverenced him, and they begged him. They had no power against him at all. Wow. So 32. 
So what does he say to them? 32, let's read it. And he said to them, go. So when they had come out, they went into the herd of swine, and suddenly the whole herd of swine ran violently down the steep place into the sea and perished in the water. Look at the authority of Jesus Christ. What did he have to say? Did he have to pray a whole big prayer? No. Did he have to do a whole bunch of voodoo or get on his knees and pray to God the Father? Oh, Lord, I oh Lord, I pray that they go. Please send them away from here. Oh, I just don't have enough, Lord. Please get... No. He says one thing. He says, go. How about that? For authority. How about that? For authority. That, folks, is power. And I have good news for any that are following Christ today. Not only did Jesus Christ have this power, folks, but he also gives this power unto some other people, too. Those that would follow him. He gives that power to you as well, too. If God's Holy Spirit lives inside of you, you have the same authority over Satan and over all that follow him, the fallen angels, the demons. You have all the, you have all the power and authority that Christ had here against these demons. You have that same authority over the demons as Jesus did right here. Glory to God. Amen. And we even have a biblical example of the power that God gave to a great man called Paul. So looking at the biblical example of Paul in Asia, in Acts 19, 11-17, the Bible says, Now God worked unusual miracles by the hand of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick. And the diseases left them, and the evil spirits went out of them. Then some of the internate, internate Jewish exorcists, so these were non-Christians, these were non-followers of Christ, that saw the power of God coming out of Paul, and they took it upon themselves to call upon the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits. So, you know, it's, it's a good idea. They, they see the power of God working through Paul, and they think, okay, well, you know, I, hey, this guy, man, he's powerful, and he's calling on the name of Jesus Christ. That, man, that's powerful. So, hey, we can do that too. But they weren't born again. They weren't saved. They weren't Christian. The Bible says innately that they were Jewish, which is non-Christian. And they thought, well, all we have to do is pray in the name of the Lord and that'll be enough to get these demons out of there. And the Bible says, we ex they say, we exercise you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. And also there, they were seven, there were seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priests who did so. That's what the people that did it. So what what is what do you think the response of the spirits was? The oh okay, well as long as you're hey, as long as you're exalting the name of Jesus Christ, we'll listen to you. We'll listen to you, seven sons of Sceva. Oh, not quite, verse fifteen of Acts nineteen. And the evil spirits answered and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know. So even the demons were recognizing. I, I know Jesus Christ. Oh, yeah, I know him. And Paul, hey, man, Paul, that guy, whoo, yeah, we know him. But who are you, the demon said. And then it says in verse 16, then the, men, then the man in whom the evil spirit was leapt on them. He overpowered them and prevailed against them so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. This became known both to all Jews and Greeks dwelling in Ephesus, and fear fell on them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. So we have people that were there that kind of saw the miracles that Paul was doing in the name of Jesus Christ, and they thought, well, I can just do those same miracles. Hey, all I have to do is call on this Jesus whom Paul preaches. That must be a powerful name. I can preach on that name, and they, they have to listen to me too. 
they got a big rude awakening. For just as I said earlier, only if the power of God lives inside of you, only if you're born again, only if you're a follower of Christ, do you absolutely, like Paul had, the power and authority to cast out demons, to rule over Satan and all his tricks against you, in the name of Jesus Christ who lives within you. Jesus also gave that power and that authority to you. So the same demons and fallen angels are still at it today. They're still attacking people. Christian, speaking to you, follower of Christ, if you realize that stuff is going on and you realize stuff's going on around you in a devilish way, you think, man, there's something not right about what's going on around me right here today. What's going on? It's crazy. Follow the example of Christ here. And what did Jesus say elsewhere? Remember Matthew 4.10. Jesus talking to Satan when he was being tempted in the wilderness says, Away with you, Satan. And then the Bible says he departed from him. Luke 4.35, Jesus in Capernaum teaching in the synagogue tells a demon, he says, uh, Jesus rebuked him and he said, Be quiet. You could say he said, Shut up, demon. Shut up. And he says, come out of him. In Jude 1.9, Jude tells us that Michael the archangel was battling, battling over the body of Moses. And during this battle, the devil was trying to take the body of Moses. And Michael the archangel even says, the Lord rebuke you. So Christian... Peter tells us in 1 Peter 1.8 to be sober and vigilant because your adversary the devil who walks about like a roaring lion seeking who he may devour. So Satan is going to come, folks. He's going to come and he's going to try to scare you. The demons are going to come and they're going to try to scare you. So what can you do? What can you do? You tell them with the authority and the power that Christ has put inside of you. If you live with Christ and you walk with him and you're his. Amen. And you tell them, get behind me, Satan. The Lord rebuke you. Don't get into a big theological battle. Don't start having a conversation with him. The Lord rebuke you. Get behind me, Satan. And then just because you can, just because Jesus said, shut up, Satan. Shut up. Get away from me. Shut up. Get away from me, Satan. Tell him. And you repeat it with the power and the authority that Christ had because that same authority, the same power is living inside of you. Don't be afraid. Jesus wasn't afraid. Don't be afraid. Like that day that I came to that encounter. Don't be afraid because Christ dwells in you. Tell him off. Get out of here, Satan. Get behind me. And shut up and stop talking to me. So we have the rest. Verse 32, our next section. And he said to them, go. When they'd come out, they went into the herd of swine. And suddenly the whole herd of swine ran violently down the steep place into the sea and perished in the water. And just like they obeyed Jesus, here in verse 32 of our text today, they'll have to obey you. Because they have to be obedient to the one that's living inside you. Not you, like the seven sons of Sceva. You're nothing. But Christ, who dwells in you, he's the one that they have to obey, just like they did in verse 32. Now, could you imagine the disciples? We're still come back to the disciples, because remember, out of the frying pan and into the fire. Well, now... Just like in the boat, they were scared. I'm sure they were scared here. They're scared seeing these demons. Now they see Jesus do yet another miracle. They had to be in shock. Their mouths were probably hanging wide open. Oh my goodness, who are we standing with? In the book of John, the book of John, the Gospel of John, I love it so much. The Bible records it like almost... I'm not going to say that because I don't want to lie. Many times that Jesus did a miracle, it kind of pans out and Jesus did the miracle. And then it says, he did this so that they might believe. Just because Matthew doesn't say that doesn't mean 
that that's not one of the reasons why Jesus was doing these things in front of them. Exactly the way Jesus will do miracles in your life when you have problems and you call out to his name and you cry out to him and you ask him for help or you cast Satan away and then he answers that miracle, he answers that prayer, it's to build your faith, Christian. It's to build your faith. So now, that's not even the end. We have even, we have a, a third party. So we have Jesus and the disciples. We've got the two demon-possessed men that are no longer demon-possessed. But we've got onlookers to this whole encounter going on here. We have onlookers. Read with me in verses 33 and 34, and we'll finish out in these verses. And the Bible says, Then those who kept the swine, you say, who kept them fled. And they went away into the city and told everything, including what had happened to the demon-possessed men. And behold, the whole city came out to meet Jesus, and when they saw him, they begged him to depart from their region. So, how and why they responded to Jesus doing this miracle are very, very important. Why did these people who just saw this and heard about this awesome miracle, why did they give Jesus such a terrible going away? Why? Well, in case you didn't know, this was in a Jewish region. This was in the land of Israel that Jesus did this miracle. And in case you didn't know, God forbade Jewish people to even come in contact with a pig. It wasn't enough that they couldn't eat swine. And this, of course, being before the New Covenant, because Christ hadn't died. So Christ was still under the Old Covenant until the day of his death that he died and then brought in the New Covenant under his blood. So this, what happened to him here, was still under the Old Covenant. So Jews were forbade to even touch, not just not eat. They were forbade not to even have a swine or a pig in their land. They weren't even supposed to touch them. They were unclean. They were sin. So not only did Jesus here cast out the demons out of these demon-possessed men to make them clean, but Jesus never does anything just for one little thing. Jesus always does things for a lot. And another thing he was doing here, he was exposing the Jewish people in the area's sin. Because that's what these pigs were to these Jews that were in this area. They were sin. Because God said, no, not even touch them. They were sin. So it was an awesome miracle. But they were afraid because pigs are still today and were then considered unclean animals for Jewish people who made them. So they were sinful. And these guys that kept them, they knew it. And the Jewish people that were in the city that the people fled to go tell them about these demon-possessed men being healed and about what happened, they also knew it was wrong to have the pigs, they knew it too. So hence, verse 34, the people begged him to depart from their region. So very, very sad. See, they knew that God did not approve of their sin. They knew that God did not approve of the sin of those, she of those pig being there. And their sin was exposed by their encounter with God. So what did they do? Rather, your sin is exposed before God. You know God said no. You kind of been hearing Jesus is this all-powerful, mighty God, guy from God. So what did they do? They fell on their faces and they repented before God. No. No. Instead of repenting and falling on their knees and crying out to God and asking Him for forgiveness and coming to Christ and God, they begged Christ to get out of their lives. They begged him to get out of the region. All I can say, folks, is wow. 
Wow. On that note, as we close, where are you with Jesus Christ today? Are you a disciple on his side, following him, going through tough times like the disciples did, but in Christ overcoming, him overcoming in you and through you? If you are, live for him, you worship him with your life. What it means to live for Jesus, you spend time in His Word. Often. You talk to Him. You obey the ways in which God tells you to live. Etc. You're constantly seeking Him. You want to spend more time with Him all the time. You fall in love with Him every day. You look at His Word and His Word tells you how to obey Him. And you obey Him in those ways. You love others. You do the things that Jesus said to do. And you live righteousness. If that's you, then again, as we saw today, following Christ won't be easy, just like we saw last week. But the comfort and help to you is this, that just as we looked at the power and authority that Christ exercised over these two demon-possessed men, that power and that authority is also available unto you. And Christ is always with you, just like he was always with the disciples. The Bible says in Philippians 4.13 that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. So I exhort you to keep going. To keep following Christ Jesus. To keep serving him. To keep falling in love with him more and more and more. Keep serving Him and keep trusting in Him more and more each and every day. And hallelujah. When the tough times come, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. So you're either with Jesus and you're kind of behind Him and you're following Him and when things come, you call on Him and then He handles the problem and He fixes the problem and He makes everything better and He helps you through it. Or... You're standing on the outside like the people in today's scripture that were standing there. They saw the miracle. They watched the miracle. They saw it all happen just like the disciples did. But notice, they weren't with him. They were off to the side. They were off afar and they were looking on. And you're one of those people. You know, God is reaching out to everyone and trying to to reveal himself to everyone. And if you don't trust and obey Jesus Christ, it's not enough just to trust. It'd be like trusting without obedience would be like walking up to some really handsome or pretty person that you'd like to be with and just grabbing their hand and saying, hey, come on, come with me. Hey, let's go home. And the person that you grab their hand, since you won't really know them, they're going to probably scream out and cry because they think you're kidnapping them. And they're probably going to call the police and scream out because you don't, you don't even know you. But you're trusting that they'll come with you. But without knowing them first, they're not yours. And you're not theirs. So you don't have a relationship. So if you don't trust and obey Jesus and live your life patterned after his life, then you are not his. You are not saved. And when you die, you'll, God will judge you on your what you think are your good works. And you'll spend eternity in hell forever. If this is you, then the good news today is that you have a choice. You can be like the people that we read about today in the end. You could be like them, where you could look on and you could see the miracles of Jesus, just like you look on every day and you eat his food that he made for you and that you go on every day and you see the powerful heavens and the earth that he created and you could see all the miracles of life that go on around you and even all the ways that he's tried to call out to you and he's tried to make himself and reveal himself to you. You could be like those people that saw... But then as you see just now, if you're not following him, 
You're not trusting in Him. You're still in your sin. And your sin is exposed. And you can be like those people where once you see that, you get away from me, Jesus. Get out of here. Get away from me. I don't want you to see my sin. Get out of my reach. I don't want nothing to do with you. I'm, not, I'm good. Just like these people here today. You can be like those people. I don't want nothing to do with you, Jesus. Get out. Or... You can realize today and admit today that you're wrong right now. And you can turn to Christ and submit your life to Him right now. You can cry out to Him. You can confess your sins. You can ask Jesus to forgive you and save your soul. And ask, you, and ask Him to give you a new life. And you can run from your position off to the side. And you can run and stand behind Him. Or although it won't be easy, because life's not easy anyway, wherever you're standing. But if you're walking through life with Him, and letting Him direct you and lead you, He'll get you through it. And that's the path that God wants for you right now, today. So I beg you, if you realize that you're there, I beg you, please, because that's the path that God wants you to take. Submit today. And don't just trust but come to trust and obey. Tomorrow is not promised anybody. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 6, 2, that today is the day of salvation. That today is the day of salvation. Because tomorrow just simply may not come. You may not make it through today, a car accident. You may die. And then where would you stand before God? And he says, what did you do with the knowledge of my son? Did you live for me with the knowledge of my son? Or did you have the knowledge of my son and say, get out of here, get out of my region. Don't look at my sin. God wants you to turn today. Come to follow him today. That he would walk with you and ahead of you. And be there with you when you meet those demons that will come into your lives. And Jesus will take care of them as you let them. And as you trust and as obey. So anybody want to come up to the Lord today, I want to pray for you and with you. So if you bow your head with me, I'd like to pray for any that would love to turn their lives today and stop living for themselves. And I want you to just pray with me. Lord Jesus, I'm wicked and I don't want to live this way anymore. I need you. I want you. I don't want to live for myself anymore. I want to live for you. And I pray you take my life today and I pray you save me. Save my soul. And I want to be a disciple. I don't want to be a believer. I want to be a disciple. I'll turn my life around and give me a new life. And save me, Jesus Christ. I realize I know I need you and I'm evil. But please save me. And make me a disciple. And I pray it in Jesus' name. And Lord, I also pray now for any that are out there and maybe didn't pray or I listened and didn't hear, Lord, I pray that you would save them. Bring them to you at any cost. Bring them to you and save them. Save their souls. I pray for all of us that are yours, that are listening. I pray we'd serve you more. I pray we'd fall more in love with you every day. I pray that, Lord, that we would realize who we are in you and that we'd walk in that, never forgetting who we were, who we are, we're still sinners. But, Lord, if anybody be in Christ, he's a new creature, a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. And I pray, Lord God, we'd realize who we are in you and walk in who you are and what you have given us. 
and command those demons to shut up and get out of here and walk in faith and walk in love toward the brethren and toward you. And I pray, dear God, our lives will be a blessing unto you as you already are a tremendous blessing unto us. And I ask and pray all these things, dear God, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.